Well, good morning again, family. Uh, welcome to this live stream. Uh, welcome to all the saints from Victory Christian Center and welcome to all of our guests uh, from wherever you are. We're just thrilled that you're able to get on board today and we're going to spend some time in the Word of God together. Uh, very shortly, I would like to just uh, pray and trust God that He will speak to us and give us revelation today because we're speaking about a very pertinent subject that I believe is very, very important. So let's just pray and trust God uh, that He will open our eyes. Father, today we commit this time to You. And once again, we thank You that You're a good God. We thank You, Lord, that You sent Jesus Christ to die for us. And we thank You, Lord, that we're born again. We thank You, God, that our sins are forgiven. We thank You, Lord, that You're speaking to us today by Your Spirit. You're speaking to us through the teaching and the preaching of the Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, we are working our way through a series of messages entitled End Times Revealed Through Bible Prophecy. And we're looking at prophetic scriptures uh, to see what the end times will look like. And we are very, we are in end times today. We're very close to certain events that are going to transpire in the not too distant future. Um, today is the second uh, a message on that in that series and last week we spoke about the rise of the Antichrist last week was part one and today is part two I would like to speak some more about the Antichrist um, and uh, I would like to reiterate once again uh, that the ultimate event of end times is the second coming of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ will be returning and that is the ultimate event, everything leading up to that, the real event that we're looking uh, towards and for is of course the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to return to this earth very soon to set up his literal kingdom on the earth. And uh, as I said last week we spoke about the Antichrist and I want to do just a very brief recap before we start to cover new ground again. Uh, and by the way, I trust that by now you have the outline downloaded for yourself. It is on the church app and it is also available by clicking on the link below the uh, YouTube screen that you're looking at right now. Um, and uh, you will find it helpful if you're able to look along because we're going to cover quite some detail today. So according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, it tells us that the Antichrist cannot and will not be revealed or become known until after departure, after the departure of the church, also called the rapture of the church. Because we, the believers, we, the body of Christ, we are the restraining force that the Bible speaks about there, and we are restraining the Antichrist from being revealed, and we are restraining his operation. But when we are taken out of the way through the rapture of the church, Antichrist will be rolled out and he will begin his operation, uh, which will last for some seven years on this earth. Now, we talked about various names that are given to the Antichrist in Scripture. He's called the Prince uh, in Daniel chapter 9, and we will have another look at that passage here today. Uh, he's called the Man of Sin and the Son of Perdition uh, and the Lawless One here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, John, the Apostle, calls him the Antichrist, and that's probably one of our more favorite terms because uh, we all recognize that term so we know whom we're speaking about. Uh, the book of Revelation calls him the Beast, um, and I would like to suggest to you that these names are not only names, but they describe the nature uh, of the man and who he really is in his character, or should we say lack of character. Um, 
and uh, we said that the Antichrist is a rising political leader. He will definitely be a politician, no question about that. He will lead government, uh, he will lead a one world government. Um, then uh, he's part of that one world government fraternity right now and of course there's a, a one world government fraternity in place and has been for the last couple of hundred years. Uh, they're in place, they're operating, they're embedded uh, within governments around the world. Uh, uh, there is uh, uh, pro one world government people in universities, lecturers, I mean this thing is spread throughout society today at virtually every level. Um, we said that the Antichrist will have the support of the false prophet who will be the leader of a one world religion that will be rolled out. Um, and the bonds of it are in place today. This is like we said, you know, this is like, uh, to use a term um, uh, from the movie world, this will be the one ring to rule them all. Um, and then we said that together they will deceive multitudes of people through supernatural signs and lying wonders. And so that's a quick summary of where we've been last week and I would like to uh, move on further. And by the way, today there will be quite a bit of detail uh, discussed and uh, if you don't catch every little detail and every sort of uh, number that we're talking about today in terms of uh, time frames and so forth, don't worry about it. Uh, I must say, myself and Pastor Vanessa, we've grown up with this teaching uh, when we first got saved in our late teens, early 20s. And we've heard some of this multiple times and each time we hear it again, we get a better understanding standing on it. So if you're here for the very first time and you don't remember all the details, don't worry about it. Now somebody might even say, well, what is the point of speaking about the Antichrist when we the church are going to be taken to heaven in the rapture before the Antichrist is even rolled out? But friend, it is envisaged that once we are gone, and once the people that we have spoken to about Jesus, who have not got born again, as a result of that, these are the very people that will be looking for a Bible. These are the people that will be looking for Christian books and for Christian programs such as this so that they can find out the time, about the time frame that they're in um, and what all of that looks like. So really, we're not just speaking for now, we're speaking into the future. Now, I'd like to move on to speak about Daniel's 70th week. Uh, and I would like to speak again about the rise of the prince, and of course that prince there is once again the Antichrist. Now when we speak about Daniel's 70th week, anybody that has done any study on end times will sooner or later, and probably sooner, speak about Daniel's 70th week. Because as we said last week, much of the end time teaching is spread throughout the Bible, um, and major portions are in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, we looked at other portions in uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, the book of Revelation, and scattered throughout other portions uh, in the Bible. And so for now, I would like to read from Daniel chapter 9, verse 23, and uh, read uh, right through to verse 26. And here is Gabriel, the archangel, speaking to Daniel to explain to him uh, what will happen uh, in the future from that moment forward. He says, consider the matter and understand the vision. So Daniel's had a vision and now Gabriel is explaining the vision to him. He says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, 
to bring in an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The streets will again be built and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end of it shall be with a flood, until the end of the war desolations are determined. So here is Gabriel, the archangel, speaking to Daniel, as before he said, to explain to him what will happen in the future from that moment or from that time forward. Uh, and uh, Gabriel spoke to Daniel about a time frame of 490 years that... Uh, relating to the Jewish people and to the city of Jerusalem, 490 years. Now we need to realize that Daniel's 70 weeks are not weeks of seven days, but they're weeks of seven years. Now I know that this is a little bit difficult for us Westerners to get our heads around. Uh, this is kind of Old Testament Jewish language, Jewish terminology and so forth. But this is fairly standard Bible interpretation, so we're not in any way taking liberty with the scripture. In fact, you will find that if you turn to a modern translation, uh, they're already uh, not using the term weeks and they're already speaking about multiples of seven years because that's what those weeks relate to. They're multiples of seven years. Um, and uh, so in other words, those 70 weeks uh, of uh, Daniel here, they total 490 years. Um, and if you choose to go back and sort of study that for yourself, then you will probably arrive at that very same understanding. As I said, this is not sort of some way out uh, interpretation. This is fairly standard Bible interpretation. Now, the time frame of 490 years... Um, it began with the command by the Persian ruler Artaxerxes to rebuild Jerusalem and it will end with the second coming of Jesus Christ. All right, so 490 years, starting from when Artaxerxes, the Persian ruler, issued a command for Jerusalem and the streets uh, to be rebuilt to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now immediately, anybody that knows anything about Bible prophecy and Bible chronology chronology, you will realize that this scripture here, when Gabriel spoke to Daniel, that was probably in 500, uh, 600 BC, uh, possibly a little bit earlier, um, and, uh, and of course, uh, say five, six hundred years until Jesus Christ came. We've had 2,000 years since Jesus Christ, and with him coming is still a little distance away. You can immediately see that 490 years, it's just not going to work out. So what we need to realize here is, that uh, the prophetic time frame uh, that uh, Daniel is having explained to him is divided into three segments of multiples of years. First of all, there's seven weeks. Now, seven times seven years is 49 years. Then he says there's 62 weeks. Now, that's 62 multiples of seven years. That totals 434 years. And then there is a further week of seven years totaling seven years and that's how we get the total of 490 years. 
Now, if you want to really be precise about it, these are Jewish years. They're not Western years, uh, as was most of us would understand. Uh, our years have 365 days in the year, while the Jewish years had 360 days. Uh, but be it as it may, we need to realize that those three segments there, that segment A and segment B, have already transpired uninterrupted. They started when Artaxerxes gave the command to rebuild Jerusalem and, and the 483 years they ended with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Remember that Gabriel said to Daniel, he says, after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. Messiah is reference to Jesus Christ and cut off is reference for his crucifixion. And when it says not for himself, it obviously tells us that Jesus Christ didn't die for his own sins because he didn't have any. He died for our sins. All right. And so segment A and segment B have already transpired. They're already behind us. That's already history. So Artaxerxes issued the command to rebuild Jerusalem uh, on the 5th of March, 444 BC. Now that's before Christ, obviously. And then that, those 483 years, they ended with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which we know took place uh, in AD 33, uh, specifically on the 30th of March. Now, with all of that time reckoning, it lets us know that there is still a segment of seven years which is Daniel's 70th week, is still unallocated. 69 weeks have passed. They're already behind us. There's one week of seven years still ahead of us. Now, we need to realize and understand that after 69 weeks, after those 483 years, God inserted a time slot called the church age, or what we sometimes call the age of grace, uh, which is the time period that we're in right now. So after 69 weeks have passed, God inserted a slot of time, what we refer to as the church age or the age of grace, and we're in that right now. We understand that the church age that we're in right now, this period that started on the day of Pentecost and that will end with the rapture of the church some 2,000 years, that time frame was a mystery in the Old Testament. They didn't know about it. It wasn't spoken about. It wasn't explained. In fact, it was not explained until Paul the Apostle came along and spoke about it in his letters to the churches. Um, and somebody says, uh, you know, gosh, where would you get such a thing from that there's a time gap uh, in there? I mean, how would you ever work that out? If we look at Daniel chapter 9 in isolation, and if we don't know uh, about New Testament and other events, uh, we would never figure it out. Um, and can I just give an example of another gap that is not immediately evident? For example, if you read through Isaiah chapter 61, and that's not in your outline, but if you read through the first few verses, you will find that that is prophetic to Jesus Christ when he came into the uh, synagogue on, on, in Nazareth, and he stood up to read from the scripture, and he read from that very same passage, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, 
to bring healing to the brokenhearted and so forth. And he went right down the line, uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1, verse 2. And he went right as far as where it says, and to proclaim the year of the favor of the Lord. And then he stopped reading right there. Yet Isaiah 61 goes on and talks about the day of the vengeance of our God. And there is another gap, and we don't have time to stop there, but for those of you that have been in those passages, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and verse 2. Uh, it speaks about the year of the favor of the Lord, which Jesus spoke about, and then it talks about the day of the vengeance of our God. Well, that day is coming during the tribulation in the latter part of it, and it'll culminate in the battle of Armageddon. So there is a gap there in the Old Testament that mid-sentence God decided to slot in a time frame similar to what we're discussing here out of our, um, Daniel chapter 9. It is a gap of some 2,000 years called the church age, which they didn't know about in the Old Testament. Even Jesus Christ didn't speak about it in the Gospels uh, because it was a mystery in the Old Testament. Um, and of course the Gospels... Uh, you know, being in the New Testament portion of the Bible, the Gospels right up to the death of Jesus Christ actually still happens under the Old Covenant, under Old Testament period. Um, so, um, Apostle Paul began to teach the mystery of the church age in his letters to the churches. And here he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3, 4 and 5, he says, that by revelation the divine secret was made known to me as I wrote briefly before. And he speaks about a divine secret here, and some translations use the term mystery. He says, the mystery was made known to me. A mystery um, is a truth that is covered over, and it will remain a mystery until it is uncovered and revealed, until it is revealed by revelation, revealed by the Holy Spirit. And he says, that divine secret was made known to me as I wrote briefly before, when reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the secret of Christ. Now, this secret was not disclosed to people in former generations, as it had been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets, as it has now been revealed, rather, uh, to his holy prophets and apostles uh, by his Spirit. So Paul is speaking about his revelation of the times of the Gentiles of the church age. Um, and uh, they didn't know about it in the Old Testament. It wasn't spoken on. It might have been inferred here or there a couple of times uh, through types and shadows, but otherwise it was not spoken about until the New Testament, until we get into uh, the, the writings of Apostle Paul. So the church age, which is the time frame, the period, sometimes we call it a dispensation that we're in right now, that began with the, on the day of Pentecost, and it'll end with the rapture of the church, seemingly about 2,000 years, give or take a few years, all right? And this is like uh, an intermission, if you like, in Daniel's 70 weeks. After 69 weeks, God made an intermission and he inserted the church age, which means that Daniel's 70th week of seven years is still future. Now,
Daniel's 70th week, or in fact, Daniel's 490 years, are sometimes explained by saying that this is like a Jewish clock that God has designed. And uh, this is the way it works. Uh, I've got uh, a watch on my hand. I just want to take that off and just uh, use that as an example. I've got another watch here. When the 490 years began, with the issuing of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem by Artaxerxes, God started that clock, and that was to run for 490 years, uh, and he put a battery inside that clock, and it's run, and it clocked up 483 years. Then God stopped that clock, he took out the battery, and the Jewish clock stopped ticking, and then he used the Gentile clock and put the battery into that clock, and clocked up 2,000 years of church age. That started with the day of Pentecost, it'll end with the rapture of the church. When the rapture of the church is happening, God will stop the Gentile clock, the times of the Gentiles, take the battery back out again, and put it back into the Jewish clock to clock up the remaining seven years, Daniel's 70th week, and that is indeed the period called the Great Tribulation that will run for seven years. The church age would have finished. We're back into the Jewish clock again. Um, and so with that understanding, and uh, I would suggest that this is sort of fairly standard uh, Bible interpretation that most end-time teachers from a fundamentalist uh, sort of an evangelical uh, persuasion uh, will look at it uh, in a very, very similar way. Um, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 now speaks specifically about the operation of the Antichrist during that seven years uh, that is coming and in verse 26 uh, through to verse 27 Gabriel the angel goes on talking to Daniel the prophet and he said and after 62 weeks Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, of course, Messiah being cut off, we've already said that's reference to Jesus Christ and to his crucifixion. Now, uh, 62 weeks and seven weeks have transpired. That's when the Jewish clock stops. And he says, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. I will come back to that. Now the end of it shall be with a flood, till the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now here it speaks about Messiah, the Prince, capital P, which is reference to Jesus Christ, being cut off after seven and after 62 weeks. That stops the Jewish time clock, uh, and uh, as we said, uh, at that moment, for, from that time on, we're starting the church age. But it speaks here about the Prince who is to come, in fact, let me back up. Verse 26, it says, The people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city 
and the sanctuary, the sanctuary being referenced to the temple. Now we know that the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman army, um, by Roman people, uh, and if my memory serves me correctly, that was done under the leadership of General Titus, who came in and in AD 70 raised the city and the temple to the ground, destroyed everything, killed everybody in the city, and raised everything to the ground. It says the people of the prince who is to come, the people shall destroy the city, but there's still a prince to come. And that prince is referenced to a prince that will arise out of the Roman Empire during those seven years of tribulation and he will operate during that time. Now we've said that uh, the Antichrist will appear after the church age and after the rapture of the church. And as I said, if you don't get all the details of that, I know it's quite in-depth and it's quite complex. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we provide the outline for the message here, so that for those of you that are inclined that way, you can go back, you can go over it, look at the writings and verify and reconfirm um, and, uh, you know, confirm your thinking there. So the Antichrist will appear after the church age and after the rapture of the church. He is the prince that is to come after the very event when the city was destroyed and when the temple was raised to the ground, there's another prince to come after that. Now, the Antichrist is revealed and identified after the church is raptured. And uh, Daniel chapter 9 here, verse 26 and verse 27 tells us that he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now again, that one week is a seven-year period. So there will be a peace treaty of sorts. Some treaty, some treaties will be signed, the Bible says, with many. Now, when Gabriel speaks to Daniel, he says, this is specifically for your city and for your people. So it specifically is around Jerusalem. It is specifically around uh, the Jewish people, and it will be specifically around present-day Israel. Um, and uh, when it says many, it's not just a peace treaty with the Jews only, but it'll be with its sworn enemies that are all around. Their immediate neighbors, for the most part, are all sworn enemies of Israel. And then Israel's got sworn enemies around the globe. Uh, Israel does not have very many friends. So there will be a peace treaty that was signed. And then it says here that that prince, the Antichrist, will break the covenant in the middle of the week. Now, the week being seven years, it means that after three and a half years, he will break that treaty, he will break that peace treaty, he will betray the Jewish people, he will stop sacrifices that are going on at that temple, and I'll make reference to that temple again very shortly, and then he will set up the image of himself inside that temple and he will demand that people worship him and that they worship the image that has been set up for him. Now, um, that temple does not, not exist today as of 2020. It has not been built yet. And... Um, I would certainly believe that uh, plans are ready. I would believe that uh, 
the architectural work has already been done, everything is ready to roll it out. The problem is that on the Temple Mount, there is a mosque right now and that's in the way. So that mosque needs to go and it will go. Uh, and if you look at everything in the natural standpoint, it's like, how could this ever happen? But I don't look at it from a natural standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint that the scriptures are true. And whenever God says something, he will bring it to pass. He's got the power to bring it to pass. And furthermore, God knows the future and uh, he knows exactly what's going to happen. So this is a future temple. There will be sacrifices, animal sacrifices reinstituted. You can imagine that people hate Israel today. You can imagine how people will be up in arms about that. Um, you know, we could talk about all sorts of groupings that would be totally against this type of thing, uh, and yet it's going to happen. Um, and so Antichrist will break the peace treaty after three and a half years, set up that image of himself inside that temple, inside the, 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 the room called the Holy of Holies, and demand that people worship him. Now, Antichrist will only operate for a duration of seven years. Um, I mean, he's around today. Um, he's in the background, but to operate as Antichrist, to be rolled out from after the rapture, and he will be caught and destroyed uh, at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, a period of seven years. He will sign the peace treaty at the beginning of that period. After three and a half years, he will break the treaty. And at the end of that seven years, when Jesus Christ physically returns, he will be caught, he will be destroyed, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. Now, when the Bible speaks about the prince of the people who destroyed the city, it means that that prince will arise out of a revised form of the Roman Empire. And uh, there will be a revised version of the Roman Empire. And uh, in fact, I'll touch on that uh, again shortly. I've got some thoughts around that. I mean, Bible scholars, Bible students have commented around that for, for many, many years. Um, but certainly we need to realize that uh, Antichrist will be completely godless. He's a godless individual. In fact, he claims to be God and he wants to be worshipped. So he, he, he's certainly above uh, subscribing to any red religion out of his own conscience in any way, shape or form. He's completely ruthless and he's completely merciless. Even natural mercy, he has none of it. If we read what's going on during that period, uh, we can get some understanding of what this creature looks like. Um, now, I should say that sometimes when Antichrist has been discussed in the past by various people, it has been assumed that Antichrist will be a Jewish person. And that's kind of a if you like, almost like a traditional view, there's been some deductions that have been made and they said he's bound to be a Jewish man. But friends, we have no scripture to suggest that. But what we do have, we have scripture that suggests that he will come out of the Roman Empire. Um, now, it's been said that the European Union, as it is today, is the revised form or the revival of the Roman Empire. And there's again been some 
deductions made uh, that uh, the seeds for the European Union that started with the European common market that was sown in the city of Rome through some treaties that were made and some agreements and, and I'm okay with that uh, history uh, but somehow people wrongly assume that Antichrist will be a Jew. We have no scripture to, to suggest that at all. And sometimes people think that there will be some European man rising up. Uh, and it's almost like uh, the image of the man being described as being sort of some blue-eyed, blonde uh, European, uh, central, northern European man rising up to be the Antichrist. Friend, it is sometimes uh, neglected to say that the Roman Empire, though it included Europe, for the most part, uh, it wasn't limited to Europe. The Roman Empire included, if you look at a map, uh, it included, when you look north of Italy, north of the Mediterranean Sea, it included the better part of Europe, curved down, included most of the Middle East, and then curved around underneath the Mediterranean Sea and included uh, northern African countries as well. The Roman Empire was spread around uh, Rome, is the capital city, spread around Italy, which is of course uh, the present day, you know, Roman people. So again, uh, we should not assume that the Antichrist would be a northern European man, or for that matter, an olive-skinned Italian, <laughs> because the Roman Empire, and by the way, the people that destroyed Jerusalem and the temple were not all Italians. They were not all Romans. They were young men that had been conscripted from all around the Roman Empire and been made to fight under the Roman uh, Emperor's uh, flag, so to speak. So there was a multitude of nations that all came together from Northern Africa, Middle East and Europe. And they were the people that destroyed Israel uh, should I say Jerusalem, and they were the people that destroyed uh, the temple. And the prince who is to come from the people who destroyed the city and the temple, that prince will be the Antichrist. So it is quite possible that the Antichrist could be a northern African man. So when people look for a blue-eyed blonde boy, no such thing necessarily. Um, he could be a Saudi Arabian, for all we know. He could be a Turkish man, for all we know, because Turkey was part of the Roman Empire. So as I said, sometimes people get locked into one way of thinking. And very shortly I'll make some comments that will hopefully help us to understand that we should forget the European image of an Antichrist, uh, because really we have no chapter or verse to suggest that that's what it is. So to carry on from there, in Romans chapter 20, verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones. Now here's John, the revelator, if you like, uh, and he saw things in heaven, and the angel showed him things. And he says, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the mark of the beast, nor his image, nor had received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, Antichrist is a character 
and the false prophet that will operate during the seven-year period called the Great Tribulation, they will command the beheading of countless tribulation saints. Now, when we say these are the tribulation saints, they are not of the church that is in existence today before the rapture because we're going to be raptured. But after the rapture, during the seven-year period, particularly the first half of the seven years, countless people will be born again, though their ending will be rather sad because the Bible says here that John saw some of these saints who had come to heaven and on earth they had been beheaded uh, for their witness to Jesus Christ and for the word of God and for refusing the mark of the beast, which we will speak about very shortly, and for rejecting, uh, that, yeah, for rejecting that mark. Now, here is an interesting thought. Um, it appears as though the beheadings will take place during that seven-year tribulation, which is still future. All right, it's definitely future. Now, beheadings are still practiced in countries like Saudi Arabia today and under heavy Muslim regimes. So there is some thought in regards to where the Antichrist might come from, or for that matter, the leader called the false prophet who is the leader of the one world religion that will be rolled out. So Antichrist and the false prophet will be defeated at the Battle of Armageddon. And in your outline, we've got some scripture references to that effect that Revelation chapter 16, verse 16, speaks about that battle uh, where deception will cause the coming together of armies from around the world. Um, and of course, um, in uh, uh, chapter 19, verse 20, it says that Antichrist and false prophet will be defeated at that battle, will be caught and will be thrown into the lake of fire. Now, this is all future. Sometimes there's a notion of saying, look, we're already through that. We're already out the other side. Friend, let me assure you, <laughs> we're not out the other side yet. Uh, we haven't even come to the rapture of the church, the seven years. Daniel's 70th week is still future. Now, Revelation 19, verse 19, he says, And I saw the beast. And kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now the one who sat on the horse is referenced to Jesus Christ. And his army are the resurrected saints who will be with him at that time. And he goes on to say, and then the beast was captured. That's the Antichrist. And with him the false prophet, who is the leader of that one world religion, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. All right, so obviously Antichrist, that'll be the end of Antichrist. That's why we said Antichrist will only operate for seven years. He will be rolled out after the rapture, signed that peace treaty, break the peace treaty after three and a half years, and then at the end of that seven-year period at the Battle of Armageddon, he will be caught together with the false prophet, defeated and thrown into the lake of fire. Now, Antichrist and 
together with the assistance of the false prophet, they will force the world population to worship him and his image that he will set up in the temple and will force the world population to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead of either his name or the number of his name. Now here we go in Revelation chapter 13. It says, then he was permitted. Uh, let me start again. Revelation chapter 13 verse 15. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Now that is the statue or the image that will be set up of the Antichrist inside the future temple. And the false prophet will work his magic uh, to give life to this image so that it can actually speak. Now, of course, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet will work with demonic power and, and Satan cannot give life, only God can give life. So it is my very strong belief that this will be a high-tech scenario uh, where this image will speak, whether it'll be a hologram or otherwise, I wouldn't like to guess, but it'll be a high-tech arrangement, um, and that this creature uh, will then uh, be able to speak. Then the statute of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship him must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And no one should, could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one which uh, with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, I made reference last week to the fact that Hollywood has tried to cash in on some of that end-time terminology and um, some of these end-time characters and um, have made movies about the Antichrist and completely, completely made a hash of it. Uh, 666 has been talked about and some of those terms have been trashed uh, around a lot. I'm suggesting to forget all of that and to only go with what scripture tells us. After the rapture, everybody will be forced to receive the mark of the beast. Those, in fact, the mark of the beast, and we'll have a quick comment about that very shortly. People that don't have the mark of the beast will not be able to buy or sell without that mark. So in other words, people will not be able to provide goods or services without that mark because no transaction of paying or being paid can be made without that mark. And those who refuse the mark and resist that mark, they will be killed. And of course many of those will be those tribulation saints, the people that will be, get born again, that will have inside information from the Word of God that once people receive the mark and bow down and worship the beast, they're beyond salvation. Uh, they can no longer be saved. And um, that mark of the beast, I'm suggesting to you, uh, could be a combination of things. I am fairly certain that, again, it'll be a very high-tech arrangement. Um, in fact, it could even be 
some sort of a twofold scenario. Um, in fact, let's uh, let's talk about uh, that mark of the beast here is the mark of either the name of the Antichrist or the number of his name. Now, people have suggested that it could be something like a barcode, and I'm thinking, well, you know, possible. A barcode, of course, is machine readable. I'm convinced that this will be a high-tech arrangement. It could be in two portions. People have said that it could be a microchip that is injected uh, into the right hand or into their forehead uh, or into their body altogether. And then there will be a mark, a visible mark given to those people so that when people walk around in the street, they will know who's got the mark and who doesn't because it will be visible. Without that mark, people will not be able to buy or sell um, and uh, be able to trade. They will not be able to buy food. They will not be able to sell services. It'll be com complete and utter control of the population. Now, I would suggest that nobody should underestimate the sophistication of the Antichrist deception. And the Bible says that the mystery of lawlessness is at work already today. There is a deception that is running through society today. I would suggest that mainstream media is already a part of that deception. And that's not suggesting that every reporter is an evil person. I'm not saying that at all. But there are many deceived people already and many deceivers. We need to realize that 80% of uh, the world's media outlets uh, own their private corporations who are controlled by some of the one world government people who are already part of that fraternity and controlled by the world bankers that are sitting behind that whole layer of uh, entities. Here you've got the, say, our national government, then you've got the United Nations. Uh, here we've got the World Health Organization. You've got the uh, International Monetary Fund. You've got uh, the World Bank. Uh, the World Bank, by the way, is a private bank uh, that's controlled by the bankers who are a layer behind that. Uh, you've got people like, say, for example, Bill Gates, uh, who has virtually bought the World Health health organization and is running it for his own agenda, which is the one world government agenda. <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of things being rolled out as we speak. Mainstream media will not tell you about that. And the tragedy now is that many, much of that information is no longer even found on the internet today because I'm suggesting to you that the leaders and the CEOs and the founders and the people who operate these media, these social media um, uh, platforms that are, they're all part of that same conspiracy today. They're all part of that same thing. And so if we comment today about certain things uh, in reference to what we're discussing here today, the powers that be have already told us that they will remove that content from the internet. So certain things you can't even find on the internet. You've got to do the old-fashioned thing and go to the library and search for some of these things. It's well documented, but it's not entirely out in the open, but it's well documented. There's, uh, gosh, there's just so much information around today that that one world government is in place today, whittling down 
the sovereignty of nations so that they can roll out the one world government and everything is ready. I'm suggesting that technology for the mark of the beast is ready. Um, and <laughs> what exactly that looks like, I wouldn't like to specify, I wouldn't like to commit myself to it, but I'm suggesting, friend, is ready. You get characters like Bill Gates, who wants to run after you with a big long needle and a great big syringe behind it, and he wants to give you something that you don't want. Um, I've said last week that they're now in the middle of this COVID-19 thing. They're now talking about, uh, you know, that they've got a vaccination on its way. And um, they've said it's not far away. And many, many people, much of the world population is already waiting for it. I'm suggesting to you that this lockdown, this COVID-19 is part of the dress rehearsal for where we're heading to get the population ready to receive the things. In fact, they will not only reluctantly receive it, they will be asking for it because the deception is incredible. Um, you know, nowadays you turn on the news, be the television news, be that uh, radio news. I sometimes jump in my car and I drive from A to B and I turn on the news. Um, or you open up, uh, you know, some, some news app or something, all you hear about is coronavirus. All you hear about is COVID-19. For me personally, I've had it up to here. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, I've got a very strong suspicion that the numbers that are being banded around in front of us are doctored numbers because now we're two, three months into this whole thing and now we're finding out from people on the ground, medical professionals are saying that those computer models that they've run were vastly exaggerated. Yet it's all part of the rollout of what's coming and uh, what they want to push on you and what people will be asking for in the end. It's a tragedy that the average man in the street hasn't got a clue about what's going on because the level of deception is so sophisticated today. If we did not have the Word of God, we would have great difficulty in even remotely understanding what's coming, but the Bible speaks about the future so we can prepare for it today. Nobody should underestimate the level of utter control that Antichrist will exercise during his reign. And just as we're winding down and coming to the end of this message here, let me give you some thoughts around what is already in place today, just to give us an appreciation of technology that is ready today and a level of control that is already exercised, exercised in parts of the world today. And I would like to use the example of present-day China, the Chinese communist government control over its population. For those of you that have the outline, there's a link there to, a, to an article on Time magazine that you can read up. And as I say, it's well documented, but you do have to look for some of these things. Now, China's surveillance program of the population that is going on today is highly, highly sophisticated. They have got an array of security cameras um, installed in cities around China and in places, it's just phenomenal. Uh, in some cities, they've got so many CCTV cameras in place that they've got one camera for about every six 
persons of the population of that city. So people can't move without being on a camera. And some of these cameras, they not only see and beam the pictures and the footage back to some control center, but they can also hear they've also got microphones built in. So you can't even speak in certain places uh, and voice your displeasure against the communist ruling party because they're coming after you because they've seen you and they've heard you. Uh, the sophistication of this AI technology that they have in place is absolutely, absolutely amazing. There's facial recognition, there's lip reading recognition, there is a listening recognition there that will sift out somebody's voice from surrounding noises. It is absolutely phenomenal. They've rolled out the 5G network to facilitate the volume and the speed of the data that will be kind of moved around from these capturing uh, cameras and microphones back to some control center that is being manned by an army of government employees that are doing nothing, nothing but listening and looking and with some of the search mechanisms that they have, they're looking for certain things, for certain words, for certain pictures so that they can move, on, move in on their citizens. 5G is being rolled out around the world. It's phenomenal technology. All sorts of things have been said around it that I, some of it I don't care for and some of it uh, I don't believe. But I am very certain that 5G and the speed of the thing and the ability to handle volumes of data that 4G cannot, it will be required to roll out that level of control that the Chinese government, communist government, is already exercising over many, over its citizens today. Now, I'm not against Chinese people in any way. There's many, many good people in China. There are many Christians there. Brothers and sisters of ours who are being oppressed phenomenally. But I'm against communism. I'm absolutely against communism. I've grown up within 35 kilometers of a communist border. So I have a little bit of an understanding what that looks like and I've traveled within some of those environments. I hate communism with a passion. And I said last week that, you know, they said that when the Berlin Wall came down in the 90s uh, and when the, the Soviet Union began to crumble and so forth and all of that collapsed, they said that communism is defeated. No, 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 friend. Communism is alive and well and it's being rolled out around the world. And uh, the thing is, and I don't want to get into all sorts of political philosophy and things, but we talk about communism, we talk about fascism. If you stand back, you can hardly see any difference between the two. And Antichrist will use a communistic fas fascist system to control the population at a level of control that is not known around the world except in places like, uh, we've just said, like in China, um, and in other places where they're already rolling out that technology. China has, and this is common knowledge today, China has some sort of a social credit system where every citizen in China is ascribed a certain value and that comes in numbers. Now there's a variety of uh, schemes that are being tried and tested right now, but say for example, somebody is assigned a value of say a thousand points and starts out with the maximum number of points. Uh, they could work their way up beyond that. They could work their way down. And here is what that looks like. If people are good citizens and they are politically correct people, 
and they associate with the right people and they do the right thing, they can gain points and points will be put into their social credit account and they will be accessing discounts, services, they will be able to buy and sell, they will be able to do all sorts of things, they will be favoured by the government, they will be favoured when it comes to accessing medical facilities, when it gets to accessing travelling facilities, uh, educational facilities for themselves and for their children because they are, after all, a good citizens. They are a very politically correct person. All right? Now, if somebody is a naughty citizen, and that is my term, naughty, all right, where the government says you have been a naughty person, they will have points deducted. So, for example, uh, if they find out that you're a Christian, especially if you belong to a non-state sanctioned church, points will be deducted. If you walk across the street when you're not supposed to, the security camera has seen you, points will be deducted. You associate with the wrong people, with an element that uh, the government does not approve, points will be deducted. It is a known fact, friends, that China, the communist government in China, has got 1 to 1.5 million people in concentration camps that are spread around China right now. And they are what they call re-education centers. Of course, the government absolutely denies that. But you see, once the communist opens his mouth, he lies. That's just part of communism. They're denying it, but we know it's happening. You imagine 1 to 1.5 million people under the most horrible conditions locked up right now because they've been naughty citizens. Now, um, if somebody um, does the wrong thing in China, associates with the wrong people, belongs to the wrong group, they will become a person of interest. And what that means is, and by the way, I've got an acquaintance who have ex experienced this firsthand in China, firsthand. Uh, some of that information is available on that website that we've listed, uh, and you can scour around, you will find that information. But as I said, my personal discussion in China, you're not allowed to leave the house without your smartphone. And not only do you need to have your phone with you, you've got to have Bluetooth turned on because that is part of the mechanism that they're using to follow you around. In China, tinted windows on cars are not allowed to a certain depth because at every crossing there is a security camera and that security camera wants to know who's sitting in that car that has just gone by because they follow you from your front door into the car all the way down and they will be able now they don't do that for most people but you become a person of interest they will follow you around people the government so bears down on the people that the control is absolutely absolutely phenomenal you're a person of interest you will start to lose points in your social credit account and guess what happens you decide that you want to go across to Hong Kong so you say you're somewhere in the middle of China so you book a flight uh, Go, go from the city that you're in over to Hong Kong, you press pay and suddenly your pay facility does not work because you've been a naughty person. You see that pay facility, here's what that looks like, cash will disappear in the not too distant future. We've already got the technology today, we talk about, uh, you know, like with smartphones, uh, things like Apple Pay, you know, you just wave your, your smartphone across uh, and it's paid for. 
that ability to pay through your phone can be turned on and off remotely. And if you're a naughty person, they will turn the facility off. You go to the supermarket, you want to pay for your groceries, and suddenly the funds are not transferred. And you wave it again, and the funds are still not transferred. It means you can't pay for your groceries. With that understanding, when in Revelation it tells us that without that mark, nobody will be able to buy and sell, that takes on a whole new meaning. And uh, so a completely cashless society, um, smartphone-initiated payments, um, my strong suspicion would be that that will move to uh, some sort of uh, in-body device that has been implanted so that even if you leave your smartphone at home, um, you can still go out and pay for things if you're a good person. So friend, I'm saying all of that to describe somewhat the technology that's in place and the practice that is in place today. So when we're talking about certain things that we read in the book of Revelation, it takes on a whole new meaning. So friend, I encourage you today, if you are born again, if you're a Christian, get real close to Jesus and let's live right. Let's live a righteous life. If you're backslidden, return to the things of the Lord. Get back into the house that you belong to. You be in the local church where you belong. And let's stay close together because there's an event coming, the rapture of the church, and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But tragically, what will be going on during that seven-year tribulation is horrible things that you don't want to be a part of. But yet salvation is still possible during those days. But the time to get saved is the time now. Now is the time to get saved. So I hope that you found some of that helpful, some of that somewhat stimulating and hopefully stimulated you to do your own research. Do your own research and move away from mainstream media. You won't find certain things in mainstream media. You've got to move out. Now, don't get too far out because there's a lot of lunatics way out in the, in the distance. And as I say, we don't want to sort of take everything on board. And friend, learn the practice of watching a program, listening to something, and don't immediately make up your mind. Just say, look, this doesn't change my opinion, right? I'll just put that up here. But you read something else, and in the end, the sum total of the understanding that you're receiving uh, is, as I say, sometimes questions can be you know, blind for just jumping on board too quickly for things that are floating around the internet and then it turns out to be a hoax. Friend, we're losing credibility with that. Let's stick to, you know, to sensible things and let's stick to, to things that, uh, you know, that are verifiable rather than jumping on board with every theory. But one thing is sure, you've got to move away from mainstream because mainstream media is already part of the machinery uh, of the one world government. Uh, it's been said that Bill Gates has bought interests uh, uh, in the, the major German uh, news outlets um, and is already controlling the news that is going out in some of these mainstream outlets. I'm telling you, this whole thing is much, much further along than what a lot of people realize. I know I'm repeating myself, but friend, I urge you, receive Jesus. There's a prayer in the outline. If you're not born again, if you don't even know what that means, pray this prayer, pray from the bottom of your heart. And I promise you on the authority of God's word, by the time you get to the end of it, you will be part of the family of God. You will be forgiven. You will be born again and then live for Jesus and you will be part of the rapture. 
Um, we're going to go to a very short break uh, right now. We're at the end of the message, and then we'll come back and share communion together. So if you haven't got your communion emblems ready, feel free to get that ready and join us as we share communion together. We'll be right back. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> 